Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians is like the seventh book in the New Testament. If you're looking at the whole Bible, it's going to be toward the back. I know a lot of us are using our our devices to look it up. So it'll be 1 Corinthians 2. And an introductory thought. We just finished, a number of us finished a four-day event called Chasing God. We had special speakers come in. Did any of you, uh, how many of you attended one of the Chasing God? A number? Yeah, it's really helpful. Um, And one of the things that we did, a number of us did early in the week, was we did a three-day screen time fast. So it was unnecessary screen time. We just didn't do it. Um, and if, you, if you've never done anything like that, you might relate to this just if your phone ever died and you had to go, you were forced to live without your phone, you might still relate to what I experienced the beginning of the week during the three-day fast. I realized how much my phone is my go-to thing. Get up in the morning. What time is it? I go to my phone. What's the temperature out? I go to my phone. Oh, what's on the calendar today? I go to my phone. What's my financial situation? No, I go to my phone. And there's so, there's so many things that, that we can do that I'm sure I don't utilize. I think there are apps and such and watches, things. Like, I could check my blood pressure. Like, what's my blood pressure? You could, right? Is there probably an app for that? I asked a friend of mine the other day, hey, how's your wife? And he said, just a minute. <laughs> he, I, I might be exaggerating, but he, I'm like, what are, and he said, well, let me just tell you where she is. And he has a, he has a, white, where's your wife app? It's a basically a chair. You know how you can tell where, you know, and he said, well, let's just check. Well, she's just west of the mall driving. I'm like, oh, okay. So you can, how's your wife? I'll just a minute. So I realized how much for me, my, my, my wife is my go-to. No, my phone is my go-to. And the reality is it's not just a go-to for information. It can be, it's a, it's a go-to for my inspiration. So if I'm feeling lonely, I will go to my phone. If I'm feeling sad, I go to my phone. Have you ever watched or seen these string of fail videos, failure videos, things where people will string them together and you'll see a picture and some of you are like, what is that? Well, you just pay attention. You'll get it. It's a young lady on a teeter-totter that teetered way too much. And I don't know why when I watch, fa- oh, here's a, 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 a gif, whatever you call it, right? Well, down, boom. Now, I know for some of you, you have compassion for that. But for me, you string that together with 30 other things. I just laugh at humanity. So what I, yeah, some of you are like, <laughs> I still laugh. I've seen it like, bang. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Okay. It's the depravity of my heart. 
But you know, so I'm sad, and I'll go, oh, maybe I can watch some fail videos that'll make me happy. So here, where am I going with this? It's not, I'm not doing a sermon today on the evils of the internet or of the phone, but I do want to bring up a legitimate concern, and it is that with the information age that we're living in and access to, to, to so much stuff, I think it's pretty easy to make information device thing our go-to and miss the best go-to ever, which is God. Because let's just get real. I can watch some fail videos, and it might put a smile on my face, but it really doesn't repair anything that's broken in my soul. I can get a where's my wife app, but it will do little to put me in a place where I forgive her if she has done something that hurt me, or a place where I will have enough power to love her well. Can we, can we admit, I was about to yell, can we admit, can we admit the limitations of what we can get through digital content? Can we just admit this is not going to fix very much in our life? It's so limited. So the question for the day is, what would happen if our go-to was God? And I know a bunch of us right now, this is what we're trying to do. And so I just bless you in that. But most of us, if you're like me, you need reminded every once in a while to keep going to God. Or for some of you, this might be some new ideas and you, because you think, well, God's irrelevant or God doesn't care or God doesn't know. What, and I would submit to you, there are great reasons to go to God. Let me give you an idea, a couple verses. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Goes on to talk about offering rest for your soul. Well, that sounds a lot better than alternative things that I'll run to. In Psalm 1, it's describing a person who delights in the law of the Lord, in the will of God. And it says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Can we admit that life in this world tends to wither our leaves? The antidote, the help that God would say, come to me. I'll help you with that, right? It says, whatever they do, the person who prioritizes the Spirit of God, connection with God, the will of God, the law of God, whatever they do prospers. In the book of James, there's a section that challenges us to make God our go-to. Hang in there for this one. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray. And you could loosely paraphrase this as, is anyone of you in trouble? Go to God. Is anyone of you happy? Go to God. <laughs> is anyone of you sick? Get some other people that will help you go to God. So hold those thoughts. We're in the series called, But God, Two Words That Change Everything. 
And in our series, we're exploring specific sections of the Bible where the story will be going on, and then it will say, but God, and then typically, there is a useful, applicable, maybe even unusual truth about who God is that really can help us. And so, uh, today, our, our but God phrase is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The writer here is writing to friends uh, who are trying to follow Jesus, but maybe they're losing their focus and prioritizing getting information and inspiration from alternative sources. And so he's going to, what we're going to see here is he's going to emphasize the power and the benefit of the Spirit of God's activity in our life. I'll bounce through several different verses, starting in verse 6. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. In verse 9, it says, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind can conceive, what no human mind can conceive, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And the next verse uh, in this version says, These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. But some translations, you can translate this, But God, there's our but God thing, right? But God, Paul's talking about these alternative things and alternative wisdom. He says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Just a couple more verses. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who knows, I'm sorry, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then the final statement. But we have, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have, I would argue, we have access to the mind of Christ. So why not go to it? Title of the talk is Life is Confusing but God, and I want to make a case, motivate us to either begin to make God our go-to, seek out his spirit, either begin to do it, or if you're doing it, just keep on doing it. All right, let's pray. If I just stand up here and talk for the next few minutes, Lord, won't be significant, but if you'll join us, if our go-to is you, even in the next few minutes, it'll be, it'll be helpful. So, we, we pay attention to you, Lord. Now, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas on making our go-to God. The first idea is this. Our go-to should be God because the Spirit goes deep. The Spirit goes deep. Verse 10 the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That word deep there 
means depth, deep water. I like it because the word in the original language is bathos, and it's like deep water. You get it like bath, water. I might even be able to remember this one. It means fullness. It means immensity. It means an extreme degree. I have not seen this word in 20 years. It means profundities. It's, it's like the Spirit of God is not afraid to go to the profound things. You can write this in. The Spirit gets beneath the surface to the profound things. And that's helpful. Let me give you a word picture that we can probably connect to the benefit of God's Spirit uh, taking us deep. Years ago, I was introduced to snorkeling. I've always loved the water. There was a season uh, when uh, I was a young married couple, and my wife and I would go on vacation, and we would intentionally find a place wherever we were. I'd try to find some place to explore and go snorkeling. And so we were in Florida, and heard about a place called the Crystal River. Maybe you've been to the Crystal River. It was supposed to be an incredibly clear stream. And so we went there, and I remember we were camping someplace else, but we drove, it seemed like, you know, a couple hours to get there just so that I could swim around in this place. Got there, and I still remember when I got there being disappointed because it wasn't quite as cool as the pictures. And I looked out, and I thought, this is it, the Crystal. And, and then I saw a group of... Uh, teenagers out swimming in a specific area. And I thought, well, we drove all the way here. Might as well go out, check it out. So I took my snorkel out there and, and uh, started swimming around. And the, the water where they were at was kind of was murky because they were all up there. But I still, I put my snorkel on. I could see a little bit. And then I thought, because I knew there were springs in the area that fed the Crystal River. And so I thought, I wonder what's going on underneath. And so I, you know, took some breaths, and I started going down. And like at 8 or 10 feet, everything became incredibly beautiful. Because there was all this stuff stirred up at the top. But at 8 or 10, and I had some capacity, and I went down, and I found this hole that was probably 6 or 8 feet wide, and water was coming up. You could see the current coming up, you know, through the little you know, weeds thing, and fish that would be, it was a super cool thing, and I, and so, it, it, this is not a picture, back then, we didn't have cameras, we just had, like, rocks, and sticks, and fire, that's all we had when I was growing up, we didn't have anything, I, I wish I had, a, but anyway, it looked something like the next, if we can go to the next picture, uh, it was that kind of an experience underneath, it was amazing, and while I was down there, and then I also found, a, I did take a picture of this, a mermaid, was in there. I'm like, hey, how are you? And then she was like, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, cool. And I went back up. All right. There was no mermaid. But, but I remember coming, and I had this thought. I remember coming up to the top and was, you know, hang with these uh, younger people. And I didn't ask them, but I remember wondering, do you guys have any idea what is just 10 feet below you? Now, they probably did because they were locals. But I remember thinking, oh, I just found the greatest thing ever. Did you know there was this? And I want to use that word picture to, to bring up an idea about God. 
It'll just be on the screen. It's not a fill in the blank. It says, the Spirit will take us below the surface to experience what many are missing. And I don't say that to be critical of folks that might be missing the Spirit. I say that to point out to us, be exceptional. And connect with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is, does have the capacity and the desire to take us below the surface of things. And can we just say it? We need to get below the surface of things. Hanging around on the top will not fix us, will not bring what we think. Anybody got some deep stuff in your life and you don't even know why you do what you do, but you know what you do is not right? It's just me. I'm sure it's just me. There's probably at least three of us that... You know, and you're like, what is that about? We need the God of the universe to take us deep in there to work on that. The Spirit goes deep. A couple of examples. Uh, at the end of the Bible, there's a book called Revelation. And even when I say, have you ever studied? Like, it is an intriguing book. There's some people like, oh, the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, here's the description this is the Apostle John, a Christian guy. He says, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. What's that? He was connecting deeply with the Spirit presence of God. That's the beginning of the book. It's within the first, you know, ten verses. If you go on from there, it was a Sabbath day, he was in the Spirit. You will read 22 chapters of some of the deepest stuff you will ever read. Visions of angels, demonic things, what eternity is going to be like, what's going on in heaven now. It's the kind of book, we just did a six-hour workshop just to try to figure out the book of Revelation, and it was downloaded into a man named John when he was doing Facebook. No! <laughs> When he was in, it says he was in, what does it say? I was in the Spirit. Oh God, show us what that opportunity is. God's not a respecter of persons. This is not just a, well, this is the Apostle John, so God opened a door into the Spirit because of who... How about us? How about we begin to say, Lord, how about me? Make me exceptional enough, pursue you enough, that I might write someday in a journal or post, today I was in the Spirit. Isn't that something? That opportunity is there for all of us. Another side example, probably not as powerful, but in Acts chapter 9, there's a man who's having an encounter with the Spirit of God. His name is uh, Saul. God's going to rename him Paul. And it says, there's this, it says, he fell on the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, this is the Spirit of God, why do you persecute me? And I have been, it's been a curious observation of mine for years, how often the Spirit of God will say, instead of bring a command, he will ask a question. 
So in this context, why didn't the Spirit of God just say, Saul, Saul, quit persecuting me? That's not what he said. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And let me give you an idea. This is my, my interpretation of some of this. It's because, because God wants us to go deeper than just a command. A question takes us deeper than a command. Does that, you know what I mean? If someone asks a question, there, it, well, let me give you some examples. It could be some of these, I, I really think the Lord has asked me, Mark, why are you, why are you so mad? That's a different question than quit being mad, right? Why are you so mad? Why do you worry? Oh, that's deeper. Why do you drink so much? Oh, that'll, that'll get at some stuff. Why won't you forgive her? Why won't you forgive her? This is just, it came to my mind. Why do you pick mean men to date? Right? I, I don't want to group this either. I've, I've had ladies ask that of themselves. Like, why do I, feels like I've been here before. Why do, why? And this is not, I, this is not a critical. This is a, why don't we go to God and have the Spirit search those things out? Why do you post things that you know will start an argument? Like, why? Why do you do that? Proverbs 16.2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but, so what we should know about this, the Spirit of God, but motives are weighed by the Lord. The Spirit of God takes us deeper. Deep is good. Deep is good. By the way, I do understand why many of us won't go deep because it's easier to just hang around on the surface. But it is not beneficial. It's just easier. You hang around on the surface, things don't change by hanging around on the surface. So I guess, I'm kind of in a tangent here, but I guess... A lot of us, we have a decision to make. You want to see real life change? Got to go deep. You want to hang around on the surface for the rest of your life? Things will probably not change. It's kind of the way it works. Let me give you some hints on going deep with God. First hint is this. Tell God. Give him permission. You can write that in. Tell him. Today, now, often. Hey, Lord, I'm willing. Another hint is watch your pace. The quickness you go through life, and especially your availability when you're interacting with the Lord. <laughs> God doesn't, like, we say, hey, Lord, go deep. I got, I got three minutes. Can we just go deep right now? Probably not likely to be driven by our timetable, our calendar like we are. So, like, watch your pace. And I'm not saying that you have to watch your pace in all of our life. We're supposed to be diligent. A lot of us have important things to do. But we, oh gosh, we desperately need to realize that God is not driven by timelines like some of the other things in our life. Our time with God should look very different than many of our 
meetings at work or what it just is a different thing if you want if you want to make the spirit of god your go-to there's a time thing there the last hint is devour the bible because this book will dive into deep stuff hebrews 4:12 says the word of god is alive active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So our go-to should be God because the spirit goes deep. Second idea. Our go-to should be God because the spirit impacts everything. Everything. We're going to finish our time by highlighting the broad application and skill set of the Spirit of God. Let me give you a word picture. You can probably imagine being in a mine field. Uh, here's a picture that might help us. Just pretend you're walking through a mine field. You know, there's little bombs under the ground. You got to watch what you're doing. And we probably could compare our walk of life to a mine field at times where you're going along and life's going along and all of a sudden you, you realize, hey, this could all blow up. Like, does that make sense? So imagine you're walking through the minefield of life. Sometimes it's going well, and then you get to a thing. You're like, ah, I better, be, I better pay attention to what's going on here. In the midst of that mental picture, imagine God, the Spirit of God is your coach. He's at the, he's at the edge of the fence, right, with one of those little blowhorn things going, okay, you might want to stop now, right, because you're like, hey, looks like there's something here, Lord. I'm so glad you asked, right? So you see something, you sense something, and you think, well, there's a relational conflict here, Lord. And the Lord would say, yes, stop digging into that. Not a good, so take a step back, turn to the right, wave, say, I forgive you. And right, then the Lord would help us navigate. I'm not sure why I'm doing this. It's the blowhorn thing. The God. It's just God talking to you through the thing. Maybe you're out there and you realize you don't even know why. Like all of a sudden you feel internally, emotionally, you're about to blow up. You just, the anxiety thing is there. You're like, Lord, I'm not sure what's going on here. I'm so glad you asked. You should stop and get on your knees and pause. Will you just let me, just bring your anxiety. The Bible says cast your anxiety on him because he cares. Philippians chapter something in the Bible. It's a book in the Bible, Philippians. Somewhere in your Bible it says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. Present, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard. So, so God would say, Stop. What is on your brain? Talk to me about it. Right? You see how that would work? Here's what would not happen if you were doing the minefield of life. If you got to a place and you said, Lord, ah, my finances. It looks like this could all blow up. The Lord would not say, I got nothing for you. I don't really understand finances. I'm a spiritual being who really cares. Does that make sense? The, the, you, we, I think internally... I don't think we always act like this, but internally we like, God knows, that's nuts. God knows everything. He would, he would never say, he has never lacked 
capacity in any situation ever to know the answer and what to do, where to head. There is nothing. Verse 10 from our text says, The Spirit searches all things. So that thing in our life, the area in our life where we're running to this or, you know, drinking too much or this repeated decision, we would be so wrong to think God doesn't know about this. God doesn't care about this. You know, my, my therapist is way better at, really. And maybe you got a great therapist, but she ain't better than God. Oh, yes, she is. I, I don't know. Well, I do know. Does that make sense? Why are we taking these things in the midst of all, and this doesn't mean you should have a good friend, and you should be in a study, and you should have a, a person that prays. You should have all those things. But where's our go-to? Our go-to should be God. Here we, oh, it's not just verse 10. The Spirit searches all things. It's repeated in verse 15. The, the, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. It's twice in our text. So here's the truth. In the midst of the complexity of life, fill in the blank, there's no one more equipped than the Spirit. Amid, amid the complexity of life, there is no one more equipped. I'm still looking at the screen like the words are up there, but they're not. James 1.5 gives us an indication of the tendency of God to be generous with us if we go to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Why? Because he who gives generously to all without finding fault. God's a generous God. We should go to him. We're going to finish our time with a, just a little side kind of a experience that I had that highlights something that you may relate to. I don't know when we started it, uh, but I became a Christian when I was 20, and it wasn't too far in. I would, and this is in your life too, every once in a while you just lose stuff. And I don't know when we started, but have you ever, when you've lost something, actually take time and say, Lord, my kid lost his homework. Pause, pray, and say, will you help us find their paper? And I would testify how many times we will be looking and all this stuff. And I don't know. Well, no, we're never going to. And then we will pause. We will seek the Lord and say, Lord, will you help us? And I kid you not. Oftentimes, in a minute or two or three, this is, you know, found it. Thanks, Lord. Anybody ever, anybody? Okay, so some of us have had this experience. I'm going to tell you a story. Because God knows, right? He searches all things. It was at the community center. A lot of you know we have a community center. Uh, and uh, it's just a great ministry thing we're trying to do. Just down there visiting the other day, doing, helping a little bit. Little girl came in. Uh, got permission to share her story. Uh, Jalea is her name. Here's a picture of what she just cues a button. Great kid. She came in emotionally distraught, kind of crashed through the front doors, the community center, 
because she her dog was gone. She had lost her dog. And two two parts I'd emphasize in the story. She came in, she was crying. This girl can cry. She was crying. And when she came in, she said, my dog is gone. And she began to tell the story. And uh, Seth Jordan, who, uh, one of the directors there, grabbed her. The team was so incredible. And he said, come here, Julia, what's going on? My dog is gone. His name is Snow. My uncle gave him to me when he, when he was just nine weeks old. And she was telling me, he's just nine weeks old, and today he tore up the house. And mom went to put him outside on the leash, and he broke his leash. And, and I've been trying to train him, but he's not trained, she said. And so, so, and he was gone. And so Seth grabbed her. He said, you came to the right place. And she said, I know I came to the right place. <laughs> you did. And people gathered around her, and they began to pray. And Seth did a phenomenal job. He said, now listen, God knows where snow is. We are going to pray, and we're going to look. And he had the confidence of God knows what's going on. We can talk to God about this stuff. So that was a cool part. So I'm watching this happen. I'm just glad to be part of a team. And then uh, as it all kind of, some people said, we're going to go out and look. And other, this kind of thing. And uh, Julia was standing there, and so I thought, I, I went up to her and said hi, and I said, would you like to go and walk through the neighborhood? And we'll just, maybe we'll see some people, and we'll just start walking around, and we'll look. And she said, I, I love to do that. So we went out. This girl can cry. Did I tell you that? She can cry. And so just to describe, over the next probably 40 minutes, we would walk, and she would tell the story over and over and over again. I heard this no less than 20 times. I already told you the story. She would look up at me, and sometimes we were holding hands, and sometimes when she would say, he's a white English bulldog. His name is Snow. My uncle gave him to me for my birthday when he was only nine weeks old. He tore up the house today, and Mom went to put him outside. He broke the leash. I was trying to train him, but he's not trained, she would say. <laughs> then we would walk a little farther. Kathy, you remember this? <laughs> we walk a little farther, and we might talk to a, a neighbor, and she would say that she would say, I'll talk. And then she would say, he's a white English bulldog. His name is Snow. My uncle gave it to me for my birthday when he was only nine weeks old. He tore up the house today. Mom went to put him outside. He broke the leash. I was trying to train him, but he's not trained, she would say. We would walk, and I'd heard the story 15 times, and she would just, <laughs> his name is Snow. And we did it. So we walked, and all around the neighborhood, and I could show you probably within 10 feet the spot we were walking around one of the blocks, and my cell phone went off. And I picked up my cell phone, and I can't tell, I've got to watch how I tell the story, or I'll just stand in front of you and cry. So I picked up the cell phone, and it was Pastor Kathy, and I said, Pastor Kathy, and she said, Snow is at the community center. Some people just brought snow to the community center, which was so cool. And I was like, thanks, Patrick. And I said, Julia, snow is at the community center. And I probably said something like, God answered our prayer. And she's like, the first thing she said was, I don't have to cry anymore. <laughs> That's right. You don't have to cry anymore. And so 
we're walking, and I said, would you like to run to the community? Let's run to the community center. And so we started running. By the way, I should have thought about that before I took off. So we started running. We got about 50 yards, and I began to say, you may have to run without me, Jalea. We went another 20 yards, and we, and we both stopped, and we were breathing kind of hard. And she said, we both pooped out at the same time. I'm like, we did. Maybe, maybe we should just walk fast. And she said, let's just walk fast. And we went around. It was, it was great. We went around the corner, and there, there was this big old chubby, wide English bulldog, and this is good. Some of us might be thinking, what a coincidence. Here's what I would tell you. Nope. What a God. What a God. I've, I'm so glad to just tell the story. So grateful. I wish God did it every single time. But even if he doesn't do it every single time, it does not diminish the reality of his desire and his awareness and in the details of our life. There is no area of life that God is not our best go-to. He'll go deep. He's got a skill set that is broad. We should go to him all the time. Amen? Last fill in the blank. It's a commitment if you want to make it. This week I will make God my go-to. It could be, as we get ready to close, you got an area of your life right now. God should be your go-to. Now, you can do that on your own this afternoon. Some of us might do well to come up, let some people pray. Just tell them a little bit about your story and say, this is what's going on in my life. I would challenge you, if you come up, part of the prayer probably should be on our part, a willingness. Lord, if some of this is me, go deep. I'm willing. I trust you, Lord. Whatever it is, the prayer team will pray for you. Uh, Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.